So welcome back, everyone, to Leaders of Consulting. We're here today with Ben McAdam. Ben is a profits coach, virtual CFO, and entrepreneur who helps business owners grow their profits and gain clarity around their numbers without judgment or confusing jargon. I would say he's got a very calming presence about him. I was just thinking about it earlier. I'm like, Ben is like the horse whisperer for business owners. And I would say he really like helps people step out of the minutia of day-to-day business and helps them see the bigger picture. So welcome to the show, Ben. Uh, thank you, John. Uh, thank you for that intro too. Horse Whisperer. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty good. So um, to start off, as we were chatting earlier, you know, it occurred to me you've been through quite a lot of different phases during your path as an entrepreneur and business mm-hmm. advisor, and you've packaged that expertise in several different ways. And so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what are the different kind of models and ways we can deliver and package up expertise as consultants, as subject matter experts. And along the way, if there are any sort of definitions you need to to make, please do go ahead and uh, as you see fit. Sure. Yeah. So for me, it was a bit of an experimental journey to work out what I wanted to do and what also was most helpful for my clients. There's definitely like a sliding scale of with um, at one end, there's done for you kind of consulting where people hire you and you do something. And then on the other end, there's do it yourself where you give the client some instructions or, or a course or something, and then they do it themselves. And then in the middle is done with you, which is a bit of a hybrid of the two where there's some input from you, the consultant, and then there's uh, quite a lot that the, the client needs to do themselves. And then maybe your input is like nudging them in the right direction, telling them which course modules to start with or sending them the templates and training videos to fill out or just being a second pair of eyes when they do the things that are in your course. And it's been interesting for me to experiment with what parts of that scale I actually enjoy and which get the results for the clients. So to step through all the different ones, there's a course, it's a very traditional DIY, a course or even a book um, is uh, very well known. Um, the pros of that is that it requires very little of our time ongoing as consultants we're so used to when we provide value it has to be from us spending our time or our energy and so therefore we have to be on all the time if we want to provide value all the time and earn high money all the time but of course is a good way to get a bit of leverage and step out of that time for money thing that we all feel we have to do we do require a bit of time up front to create the course, uh, and it's probably a good idea to improve it over time so it stays relevant and, and you can make it more helpful. The big thing that I see uh, consultants getting wrong with this, and I did it too, <laughs> is that for a course to be worth your time, you have to be working towards selling it to a lot of people because usually courses are a lot less than our normal hourly rates. Um, you know, you might have a $50 course or a $100 course or even a couple of thousand dollar course. Like you can't just sell it to one person and then that's it, your work's done for the year. Like you need to be thinking about building an audience and sell it, selling it to lots of people. So that's courses as an option. I like how you started that off with do it yourself versus done with you versus done for you. I think that's quite mm-hmm. a uh, a useful lens to look at it through. One thing that occurred to me is I wondered to myself, is a completely done for you even possible? 
And what context would that would be that be something like a productized service? Because even I find productized services, you do require some input from the, you know, the client or the customer. So I'm, I'm mm. curious as to what, what your take is on that. Yeah, well, the complete done for you thing is you, the consultant, going into a business and and basically working like any member of their team. You do it everything for them, like you know, you talk to their team, you draw up plans, you instruct the team, um, you talk to customers, you know, whatever it is. It's like purely done for you as like consulting in the way that most people think of it. Productized service is slightly further away from from done for you and again it, it frees us up from having to spend all of our time um you know, basically it's it's a non-billable hour type of a, a conversion productized service the reason why it's called that if people don't know yeah is, is that it's packaged like a product as opposed to being custom so the ultimate ideal is that you you have a website that describes exactly what's included in the service. It's 95% plus standardized and people can buy it off the shelf like a product. And this is really helpful for consultants because when you don't customize so much for each client, it now becomes cost effective and, and time effective to train a team on how to do it and the team doesn't have to be a clone of you um, this is something that I always struggled with uh, when I started out in consulting is that I knew all the things and I'd spelt, spent years building up my expertise and my experience and so I just went to a client I'm like okay what's the problem all right here's the most efficient way to fix it and it, was, it didn't matter what kind of client came like I had something in my toolkit that I could use to help them then, you know, I did create a productized service uh, with a co-founder many years ago, and suddenly I didn't have to make up the answer every time. I created a system that would get people uh, from a certain situation, like they had a particular problem, and it would get them to a desired solution. And there was like a group of people that all had very similar problems and all wanted a very similar solution. And so I created a system and trained team members on how to implement that system. And it worked. And it was a recurring service. It was bookkeeping. And uh, trained a team on how to do the bookkeeping and how to fix up the books when they weren't in a good position. And so I didn't need to be involved in actually doing the client work anymore. And I could spend more of my time on sales and marketing. And so the business grew really fast. And so productized service has a lot of benefits in that way that it frees you up to spend more time on sales and marketing and enables you to have a broader impact. You can have a lot more clients. Mm -hmm. Again, again, like the courses, you need many clients. Um, like you could have one consulting client and that could be a multiple six-figure contract for the year. But with a productized service, it's generally not like that. Usually it's a, a productized service is usually a sub thousand dollar a month uh, service. So you need a handful of clients and a handful of team members. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, you've mentioned some of the things to consider, but are there any other questions you think that are important for people to ask themselves when they're considering whether to go down the more agency slash productized service route, or if they're going to do the more kind of hands-on one-to-one consulting or the group coaching? Like, do you see any 
important distinctions or, or questions to ask yourself first before deciding which path to go down? Or does it also depend? Does it depend on a lot of different variables and it's hard to kind of give <laughs> hard, hard and fast rules? We love the hard and fast rules, but. Yeah, no, no, I, I understand. Yeah, there's definitely a couple of principles that people need to keep in mind. One is like if you've chosen a particular type of customer, a particular avatar or ideal client, you have to factor in what works best for them. Some people in some industries hate sitting down for courses and watching courses. They would rather save their time and have an expert just hop on a call for five or 10 minutes, explain exactly what they need to do, and then they're off. And then there are other people who, um, it depends what you help people with. Um, like if you help people with something that's fairly confidential, like, um, mm. There's a few personal things that would <laughs> jump to mind there. Their marriage problems, you know, or, or, or things in their business like firing toxic employees or like, I really hate my job and I need a consultant to help me with that. The group program may not be the best option for that because people might want to keep what's going on confidential. But on the other hand, maybe a group program is actually effective because if there's multiple people on the call all sharing their stories, that motivates the other people to be open and honest and recognize what they need to change. So there's pros and cons depending on the type of solution that you, you sell, um, who you help and what you help them with. And then think about also on your own side, there's the skills and the desire, like, do you have the skills to create a course to teach people when you don't have someone live in front of you? Um, if you don't, well, then either don't do a course or go learn those skills first so you create a good course. And then there's the desire you've got to think about is what do you actually want to do? Like, for me, I will always have at least a couple of one-on-one -on -one clients because I enjoy the one-on-one -on -one interaction and the deeper impact that I can have, um, even when I've, you know, tried courses and group programs and things like that, I've never been able to completely let go of the one-on-one. -on -one. And I recognize that's because I want to do some amount of one-on-one. -on -one. It gives me meaning and, and joy. So don't get sucked into the idea of like, oh, I can really earn millions of dollars with a course. <laughs> and yeah, I'm going to switch all to courses now and I'm going to stop taking on one-on-one -on -one clients. Just keep in mind that like, it isn't just about what's the easiest way to make money. You got to consider all of your goals, like what kind of time you want to put in, what kind of money you want to earn is like the most obvious one. But then if you were earning enough money on five to 10 hours a week, what would you do for another like 10 or 20 hours a week of work? Because we all need like about 10 to 20 hours minimum of work a week or we get miserable. So like, what would you do? What would be meaningful and impactful and, uh, Keep that in mind. Don't just wait until you're earning enough money to decide what your ideal looks like. Yeah, yeah. Um, it sounds like some of what you're describing is a, is a bit of a hybrid as well. So it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? So it can be, yeah. you can have to do some one-to-one, -one, you can have some group coaching. I, I love what you said about as well, how it's a good idea to take into account you know, the people that are your, you serve basically and what their preferences are, what the idiosyncrasies are of the the industry that you serve and so forth thinking about learning preferences i know some people really like the group coaching stuff as well they love being in a group of other people they love the interactivity they love the bouncing ideas and that's the best learning environment for them yeah i just want to touch on that hybrid point you raised mm. um yeah like i said i'm always going to have some one-on-one -on -one clients no matter what else i do but you just 
have to carefully balance not doing too many things at once. Yeah. Because a, a course, even if it seems fairly hands-off, there's still mental overhead with it because you're going to be iterating the course. There'll be some customers that, um, you know, aren't getting a result or need things to be clearer. Like there'll always be this part of your brain that's occupied with, okay, how do I improve the course? How do I sell it to more people? And so if you're operating a course, a group program, productized service and one-on-one <laughs> consulting, like your brain's going to be pretty fragmented and you're not going to do an amazing job at all of those. So maybe when, you know, when you're coming up with a hybrid, try and pick two, unless you've got a team that can help you with, with bits. Like if you've got a, a course manager, or I think that sometimes they call them product managers to oversee and improve your course, then that frees up your brain space to, to handle something else. Yeah. Some, sometimes I have people pushing me into like, Oh, you should really do it. You know, you really need to do a group course about this. I'm like, yes someday not today you know not right now <laughs> yeah gotta focus. focus on first things first so ben i'd love for you to just take us back a little bit we've we've talked a little bit about how you co-founded a company and you've tested out a couple of different models but could you take us back a little bit further and tell us how you ended up helping people what led you to being a profits coach you know virtual cfo tell us about where that journey started and got and where how it got to you where you are now yeah. So for me, the journey started when I was very young and I was in school and I found out what jobs were like and I went, that looks awful. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I didn't know what the alternative was. I'm just like, oh, I get out of school and I have to do that same boring stuff over and over again. But then luckily someone handed me the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And in it, it explained that there are other things other than jobs you can do to earn money and earn good money. Um, investing in real estate, investing in companies and stocks, um, or running businesses, um, or being self-employed. But that he seemed to think that was a terrible idea. Um, but businesses really, it really caught fire with my imagination when he said something like, you look around everything that you can see that's man-made and even some things that aren't were put there by a business and some long string of businesses that was involved, like the lines painted on the road. Like think about all the businesses that are involved in that. I'm like, oh, business, business sounds really interesting. And then the other thing that came out of the book is he said that the lawyer and the accountant see everything that happens in the business. I'm like, great, I'm going to go learn by being one of those. And it seemed a pretty obvious decision not to be a lawyer because that didn't seem fun from what I'd seen in movies. Um, and not that an accountant seemed like fun, but I didn't mind playing around with numbers. So I went and became an accountant. Um, didn't fit in with them very well because like I was there to learn about business and they were all there to dot the I's and cross the T's better. Um, learning all the different rules and things and how they change and, and bits and pieces. Not very interesting, but it did give me a good background and I did get what I wanted to learn about business. And it also helped me start my first businesses too. Like I started a tax practice when my first child was almost born. I'm like, oh dear, if I want to spend lots of time with them, I cannot be in a job because they do not have the flexibility that I want. So that got me to start that. That was my quickest way to start a business was to use the skills I had and just sell them for a lot of money. And then shortly afterwards, uh, I co-founded a bookkeeping business and an online bookkeeping business. So again, using my skills and my interest in business and that business grew pretty fast. And I, I enjoyed that, but 
ultimately the thing that I wanted to do was business coaching because very soon into my accounting studies, I was working part-time as an, as an accountant at the same time. And I saw in the back of a business magazine, there was this article and I'm like, here's someone telling me about business and teaching people about business. I'm like, this, this is what I've been looking for. <laughs> um, and I, I stalked him online and found out he's a business coach. And I looked at like what he charges and the hours he works. And I'm like, I want to be a business coach. That's what I want to do because I enjoy teaching. I enjoy helping people. And, you know, before I studied business, I was actually doing, uh, um, studying piano at the Sydney Conservatorium of Music and uh, teaching. And so, like, I really enjoy teaching people. I enjoy helping people. I enjoy business and I enjoy how business can improve everyone's lives so business coach was like yes that's exactly what i want to do and starting my own businesses was a learning experience and also gave me an opportunity to like you know the accountant sees everything so the tax accountant or or the person running the bookkeeping business i had the opportunity to actually coach some people and found out that yeah i know a thing or two and it helps so when i sold those businesses um Instead of this coaching thing being a you know only part of my focus, like I said earlier, too many things going on. Um, uh, it became my full time focus. Like this is what I've been doing for wow, a lot of years now. <laughs> <laughs> I just realised how old my kids are. Um, so so yeah, that's uh, that's how we got here. Yeah, and I'm curious about your title of profits coach. You know, I'm familiar with. Lots of other, you know, labels with the word coach in them, but profits coach isn't one that I hear a lot. So can you kind of yeah. unpack that for us a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. When I first started trying to market my services as a coach in a big way, after I sold the businesses, I wasn't sure what to call myself. And I felt it was really important to have a title because, you know, even though I didn't like jobs, apparently something's stuck in my head there. Mm. Um, and I went with virtual CFO and then everybody had a different idea of what that meant. Like they, mm-hmm. everyone already had heard the term or made a guess and it mostly was not what I was offering, which was the strategic advice. People thought, oh, virtual CFO, you're like a expensive bookkeeper, right? <laughs> or like the manager of my bookkeeping department or accounting department, um, which kind of is, but it's more strategic um, more strategic level advice, like, okay, here's what your numbers mean, here's what you should do about it. Not just like, here's a report, um, which is what a lot of bookkeepers and uh, what a lot of quote-unquote virtual CFOs do. So I realized, like, you know, the, the strategic advice was what I wanted, but I didn't like any words with, like, advisor or consultant in the title. And I felt like if I said business coach, again, people get the wrong idea because I found most business coaches either have a management background or a marketing background and never found any that have had a financials and accounting kind of a background or a money background. And so I just put that in there and I didn't want to say money coach because that's like completely <laughs> different. It's like profits uh, in your business is, uh, is, is totally different. And so I end up going, you know, profits, let's go with profits, not numbers coach, because no one likes being coached on numbers, um, or most people don't. And uh, let's go with profits, because that's what people want. Like, they want more profits, and that's the ultimate result that I help them with. So, um, 
bit of a long-winded answer, but that's the, that's how we got here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And earlier we were talking about profit strategies. One of the ones that a lot of people are familiar with is one called Profit First, which is also the name of a book uh, that came out. Well, the reason why we came onto it was we were talking about frameworks that are maybe like a little bit overused, or maybe you know a little bit overrated, or maybe not used in the right way sometimes. Can you explain a little bit about what you meant by that? Yeah, absolutely. So quick description of Profit First for people because it can be useful for consultants who yeah. listen to listening to this. Basically, the idea is that it's a system for people who don't really want a system for their numbers and don't want to like have a bookkeeper and look at the numbers and all that kind of stuff. Um, this is a way to kind of ease them into that area that area of skills that they need to develop as a business owner the way the system works is that all of the money from your clients or customers gets deposited in one bank account and twice a month you transfer that money to a handful of other bank accounts that you actually spend the money from so you'll have one that's like your tax savings account you'll have one that's a, a, an account to pay yourself account for profit an account for operating expenses and so you're you're splitting it based on a percentage you come up with in the beginning to all these different accounts. And then that's the amount of money that you have available to spend. Like in the operating expenses account, you've, you can only spend that much. And it's a way to stop people from overspending that doesn't use the word budget. Um, and uh, so there will always be money left over for you. There will always be money saved for tax. There will always be profits left over because it's in a separate bank account that you you're not spending the money from so it can be a very useful system when people are starting their business or if they're extremely allergic to dealing with numbers and they just want this simple system where they do transfers twice a month uh, and then they can see the balance in their bank account as what they have available to spend for the next two weeks but there's a few drawbacks to it and it's definitely not right for a number of businesses and i think it's overrated because People tend to think, oh, good, if I do this, I don't need to think about numbers anymore. And it's it's kind of like uh, it gives them a comforting feeling that it's okay to stick their head in the sand. A false sense of security. Numbers. False sense of security, yeah. exactly. Um, for certain types of businesses like manufacturing, you really need to be all over, all over your numbers and you can't just use something like Profit First. Um, and it's similar for like a product-based business. Agencies can kind of get away with it sometimes, and really it's for consultants and coaches that are like one-man band kind of operations um, or freelancers. Um, but the drawbacks with it is that if you're trying to grow your business, that usually involves investing a lot of money, sometimes money that you don't have, or sometimes you want to invest every dollar that comes into the door, and the profit-first system isn't really designed for that situation. It's designed to like help you always have profit left and to not spend every dollar. That's like, so it's like completely opposite of people who want to aggressively grow and aggressively invest in growth. Um, it's also not so good for thinking further ahead than two weeks. Um, if you, you're operating expenses account, if you're kind of trained that like the amount that I, you've transferred there is like, okay, I can spend all of this in the next two weeks, then you don't leave stuff there for later investments. Um, you can tweak the system so that you've got a 
later investments bank account that you're also spreading it to, but still it's, it's good for people who make short-term spending decisions um, and have a fairly uncomplicated business and who don't want to invest aggressively in growth. But beyond that, it tends to get used too much as like a, a security blanket, a false sense of security, and people aren't thinking uh, as good as they should about their numbers. Yeah, so that's one aspect where you know we see people going wrong. We touched on some other mistakes that some people make. I think one we were talking about earlier was how a lot of people tend to not see the dwelling on numbers as so important as finding that next lead. Can you speak to that a little bit? What have you noticed there? What have you experienced as a common pitfall there? Absolutely. I think all of us business owners are wired to always focus on getting the money in the door, or we learn some painful lessons in the beginning. And then after that, we're always focused about getting money in the door. Um, because if you don't have focus on that, the money doesn't come in the door, business doesn't grow, it can shrink and close and stress, etc. And And it's a good thing to always be thinking about what's bringing the money in the door. But you got to think carefully, like you don't just want to bring any money in the door. Like if, if you... <laughs> bunch of consultants listening to this that have probably had the experience of oh my god i've finished up that contract with that client or it's finishing up soon and i've got nothing after that oh dear i better accept this crappy client that's not going to pay me very much just so i've got something like we've all we've all had that experience um and hopefully we've learned from it not to stop marketing for the next client while we've got one client already signed up um, so that we don't get into that situation again. Um, if you're constantly focusing on money in the door and you're not thinking about the quality of that money, then that can get you in, stuck into the income roller coaster of like, okay, I've got the client, I've got to get this um, job that I've agreed to, I've got to get it done really soon so that I can get my money. And so I'm going to spend all my time doing that and no time marketing and, and then it runs out in there like panicking like marketing when they're desperate which is the best time to be putting yourself out there it's like hi i'm so good at what i do i am desperate for your money and will accept very low um not exactly the most confidence inspiring so one thing that's really important a number that's really important that clients don't look at very often is margins which is the costs to deliver the service versus the price and if your margins aren't very good, usually because your prices are too low, then you'll just find yourself working really, really hard. Um, and you won't be able to work smart. You just got to put lots of hours in. As you grow, you can have to put more hours in, even though you're hiring people to help. I'm like, why am I having to work more? <laughs> like, cause your margins suck. Um, is usually the main reason. And not many people are talking about that. And so if you just focus purely on getting clients, you know, marketing sales, getting clients or getting productized service clients or consulting clients, whatever, and you're not paying attention to your numbers, like you can actually be very successful at getting money in and send yourself broke because of it. <laughs> so uh, always important to keep an eye on those things. Sounds like, you know, sometimes people have this sort of tunnel vision and they're not really fully aware of exactly all the everything that's going on to their own detriment in business. So Ben, I'd love for you to tell us, I know that you offer some free personalized profit strategies. Can you tell us more about where people can find out more and more about what that entails? 
Absolutely. So I mentioned earlier that I like helping people. <laughs> I want to help a lot more people. And so when I was coming up with like, what's a lead magnet I can put on my site? You know, normally it's like a free PDF with three top tips to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And you have to put in your email address. And I thought everyone's kind of done that to death. And what's a way that I can stand out and help more people? Well, how about I give them a, a short 11 question form and then I will give them a video of me explaining what I think that they need to do next in their business. So it's basically a little kernel of free advice you know, 10 or 15 minute video and an optional call that they can book with me to discuss it and then perhaps talk about working together or maybe not. And I've just helped someone and I feel good for the rest of the day. So the idea of the free personalized strategies is people go to my website, profitscollective.com and there's a form there. They fill it out and then I will give them some free advice. I'm like, this is what you need to prioritize and focus on in order to increase your profits and it is a good way with the particular questions i've asked it digs up things like yeah your revenue looks good but you need to look at these numbers and here's what to do about it and i give them a little free business coaching um, to try and get a result for them i love that i wish more people would do that <laughs> yeah because i was looking at that i was like that's real value it's not just you know like you say just the pithy pdf with like a couple of tips um, it's really mm. value that you're you're offering people. Yeah. Straight off the bat. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, Ben, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure. Thank you, John. All right. Cheers.